Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Andrew Cuomo lied. Can't really be said any other way. The New York Post, which would win a Pulitzer for its coverage of Hunter Biden. And now this. With the headline, Cuomo aide admits they hid nursing home data so feds wouldn't find out. This story is horrifying and says everything that you already knew to be true. That they did not share how many people died in nursing homes or because of nursing homes, because people were sent back to nursing homes in New York. The number was not 6,000. The number is 15,000. And wait till we learn that number isn't actually high enough. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. The story goes that there is a woman by the name of Melissa DeRosa. She's the secretary to the governor. And there was a conference call that was happening with Democratic lawmakers. And in that conference call, she apologized for rebuffing a legislative request for the tally in August because during that time, then-President Donald Trump was turning this into a giant political football. That President Trump is tweeting that Cuomo in New York, they killed everybody in nursing homes, starts going after Phil Murphy, who's the governor of New Jersey, going after Gavin Newsom, who's the governor of California, and maybe not for long. They've got 1.4 million votes, uh, signatures already for the recall. You need 1.5 million. It's a certain threshold, a percentage of the amount of people who voted in the election. They're working on getting 2 million signatures before mid-March. They're going to force the recall election on Gavin Newsom. That's, that, is, that is a near fait accompli. We're going to see how these next couple weeks go. Trump was going after Newsom, going after Phil Murphy of New Jersey, going after Gretchen Whitmer, governor of Michigan. And then in the middle of it, according to DeRosa, Melissa DeRosa, secretary to Governor Andrew Cuomo, Trump, quote, directs the Department of Justice to do an investigation into us. And she tells all the lawmakers, all those Democrats on the call, and basically we froze because then we were in a position where we weren't sure of what we were going to give to the Department of Justice or what we were give to you guys. What we start saying was going to be used against us while we weren't sure if there was going to be an investigation. And that played a very large role into this. The translation, they didn't want anyone to know the truth of how bad it was. They didn't want anything else having to do with lawsuits. They didn't want to get hurt, so it was better to lie. Now understand that at the beginning, when you saw what was happening, right? And you saw how, uh, how things were going. You may not have known at the first. 
you may not have known at the first that sending people back to nursing homes was going to get other people killed. It's very possible. Let's, I mean, we go back to the beginning, it's possible that you didn't know everything. But there was a moment that you knew. And there was a moment that Andrew Cuomo knew. And Andrew Cuomo said, send them back. And the nursing homes begged and pleaded. They begged and pleaded. Don't make us take back these people. Let's put them in the field hospital, hospital, which was at the Jacob Javits Center. And Cuomo said no. Let's put them on the U.S. Naval Ship Comfort. The Naval Ship Comfort got used for, I think, 40 patients altogether. They had room for 1,000. And then they sent it on its merry way. They really could have used it. Who knows? Maybe they could use it right now. They were forced to take back these people, forced to do it. Because if they didn't do it, they would not get their funding. They had no options. That's obscene. That is obscene that this is what you got. This is what was uh, done to these people by Governor Andrew Cuomo. Wrong and awful and despicable. Let me say it again. Wrong and awful and despicable. Can't be said enough. They did everything they could when they knew that keeping people in in the nursing home was just going to get other people killed. Didn't matter. They didn't care. Cuomo didn't care. And as he was slowly being called out on all of this, day after day, while they're giving him Emmys for his oh-so-important broadcasts, uh, his, his, uh, his news conferences that gave the American people real data, that's all a scam. That's all cover. That's all a lie. They gave that man an Emmy. Ben Stiller and Robert De Niro cheering him on. That's our governor. Your governor's a lying piece of you-know-what. He lied. They're telling you that he lied. This is, what, what is this? It's an apology from, from the Cuomo people? And a po- well, you know, we froze. Uh, oopsie. It's not an oopsie. It seems like it was absolutely deliberate. And maybe that part doesn't even matter. You tried to stonewall a federal investigation? Let's play a game. Let's play a game of what happens if Tony tries to stonewall a federal investigation. What happens to Tony? Tony gets his butt sent to jail. Let's see, what other group of people historically never were given the benefit of the doubt if they didn't, if they weren't forthcoming with information? That's stereotypical, Tony. Doesn't make it wrong. 
You name for me another group of people that could stonewall a federal investigation or the possibility of a federal investigation or could say, hey, a federal investigation may be coming. Let's not tell them nothing. Let's hide the numbers. You go to jail for that stuff. You go to jail for that stuff. And you know what Cuomo's going to do? He's going to show up on CNN with his brother. They're going to joke around with a giant Q-tip. And ain't nothing going to happen. Because there are two sets of rules. There are two sets of rules. Right now, social media has exploded with this T.J. Ducklow story that I was sharing earlier. T.J. Ducklow is the deputy press secretary for Joe Biden. And T.J. Ducklow is dating a reporter from Axios named Alexi McCammond. Politico is going to report on that story because McCammond covered Biden. And this is a conflict of interest. I mean, if this kind of thing happened in the Trump administration, well, we already know. We already know it would be the end of times. So Politico is going to run the story. Next thing you know, it comes out in People Magazine. Huge spread, huge spread in People Magazine. Just massive. This loving couple, and uh, and here are the people at Axios. They they so appreciated uh, uh, Alexi McCammond telling them honestly what was happening that to, in, to, to avoid any impropriety, they're going to take her off of Biden, and instead she'll be covering Kamala Harris. That's the vice president for the people in the back of the room. And that was how they handled it. Well, what they didn't know is that Ducklow spoke with a reporter at Politico, Tara Palmieri. And as the reporting goes, he said, I will destroy you, cursed at her. And basically said, eh, your your problem is you're the one who wants to have, uh, you're just jealous of our relationship because you want me. Or you wish I wanted you. One of those kinds of things. Just insinuation on insinuation. And what happened to T.J. Ducklow? T.J. Ducklow got a week suspension without pay. That's what happened to T.J. Ducklow. Now, I ask you the following question. If you or I did anything like that, Do you think that we would have gotten just a one-week suspension? Or do you think it would have been worse? Do you think it would have been a bigger problem? What about Joe Biden letting us all know that if you're rude to anybody, if you're mean to anybody, if you if he sees you not treating people with, with with respect, he'll fire you on the spot. What 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 happened to that? What happened to fire you on the spot? You told a woman. A woman, let's say it again, because this is how people talk in America now. You told a woman that you would destroy her. How is he not fired? How is he not 
fired if Joe Biden said fire you on the spot? Well, the answer is there's a double standard. There are two sets of rules. There's the rules for you, you chump. And then there's the rules for the political left, which will excuse any behavior. By the way, if I said to someone, I will destroy you, I'd get fired. People are out of their heads over what's happened, and they should be. This is why the political left has absolutely no credibility when it comes to being moral or pious, which they claim to be both. I'm Tony Katz. So two weird things happened as Democrats were wrapping up, right? They wrapped up their portion of the impeachment trial yesterday. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. The first is that Representative Jamie Raskin, who's heading up the, the impeachment, had to admit that a quote attributed to Senator Mike Lee was it was a lie. Um, the, uh, the impeachment manager, Mr. Cicilline, correctly and accurately quoted a newspaper account, um, which the distinguished senator uh, has taken objection to. So we're happy to withdraw it. It's not true, and it's not on the grounds that, that it is uh, on the grounds that it is not true. Um, and we are going to repeated it too. Okay, we're going to withdraw it this evening, and without any prejudice to the ability to resubmit it, if possible, and then we can debate it if we need it. But it's not. It's this is much ado about nothing because. It's not critical in any way to our case. You're not the one being cited as a witness, sir. I love it. Now, the reason that I think it's so incredibly important is because you should stand up. You should speak up. If indeed, if indeed you are being misquoted. I cannot imagine the society that thinks you shouldn't. I don't even understand how it's possible. People got mad at uh, at, at Mike Lee for bringing this up. What a ridiculous thing. It wasn't ridiculous. It was an improper quote. At least improper attribution. But that's not the whole story. The story is it's not the only one. Eric Swalwell, who, by the way, may or may not have had sex with a Chinese spy. He shared a tweet by a woman named Jennifer Lynn Lawrence, not the actress, Jennifer Lynn Lawrence. Jennifer Lynn Lawrence. And the tweet uh, included the statement, we are bringing the cavalry. Now, I didn't, not maybe not being a Christian, I guess I would have to have thought about it for a second. It was a reference to a prayer vigil. The way Swalwell used it, it was about violence. It also had an introduction that she was what's known as a blue check. What does that mean? It means you have a verified Twitter account. It means you're you're somebody of of note. Uh, you're you're in media. You're you're in music. You're you're somebody that people would know, and it verifies that you're you, so they know the tweets or the social media is coming from you. That's a blue check mark. And she's like, I don't have a blue check mark. 
I've never been verified by Twitter. I don't have a blue check mark. So she's talking to John Solomon, the reporting from justthenews.com. I noticed when they put my tweet on the screen that all of a sudden my tweet had a blue check mark next to it. But it wasn't her. So now you have a commentary that is improper attribution, and now you have a tweet that is utilized to show, look at all the violent people coming, that is taken out of context, according to the author of the tweet, and shows her as verified when she's not. Now, does any of this change whether or not you think President Trump incited a riot? No, I very much doubt that it does. What it does do is show you that the Democratic Party, for all the time they had to put it together, maybe they still had to invent a couple of things. They didn't have it 100%? How how is that possible? That's beyond understanding. And yet, when you see it twice, you can now ask, okay, what else did they not have right? Now, Jack just sent me a, a message that cavalry and calvary are, this, are, are, are two different things. That is absolutely true, and that is the point that needs to be made. Right? The word used was calvary, which is a representation of the crucif- crucifixion of Jesus. I have that right? Right now, cavalry, cavalry. So now you got to ask yourself another question, which I haven't seen. I haven't seen this one played around yet. And maybe I just got to search for it. I've been busy doing a show. Have people noticed? Have uh, people noticed whether or not he got not only uh, the person wrong, the tweet wrong, the intention wrong, but no understanding of what the word means at all? Cavalry versus Calvary? Hmm. I'm the one who told you not to put Eric Swalwell as an impeachment manager. He got played by a Chinese spy and once said, hey, I'm not worried about you having guns. The government has nuclear weapons. Good choice, Democrats. Winner, winner, something dinner. All right, we need to update the Bruce Springsteen story because maybe he wasn't drunk. But that doesn't change my whole take from yesterday. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. Was Bruce Springsteen innocent? So the story was, you know, you had Bruce and uh, he's uh, doing the ad for Jeep and and he's... Uh, He's telling you about how we need to come to the middle. We need to come to the middle or something like that. And I even asked the question, like, did he, has he ever done any, you know, in, introspection? Like, did he ever ask himself, what, what does that mean? Ever once ever. That, that was the question. I had somebody getting all over me on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Tony Katz Radio. He's done more for America with his music than you ever have. Dude, I'm not arguing his music although if you tell me that born in the usa is some kind of great a pro-american uh conversation i don't think you've ever actually listened to the words 
I like Bruce music. Uh, I like Thunder Road is a, is a is a brilliant song. Interstate Trooper haunts, man. If you've ever done a long road trip, Interstate Trooper is a great song to do that to. Great song. I'm not making an argument on on the music. Screen door slams, Jenny's dress waves. I mean, just from that, that's an incredible bit of of, of imagery. But one of the best people on this subject is uh, Evan Sayet, who's a political satirist uh, and super duper smart dude. Right? Uh, I love what he talks about when it comes to when it comes to Bruce. But the question was, when you're doing a, a, a commercial and you're talking about bringing people to the middle, do you even have a recognition of what happened in the country? Of what people on the political right think of the political left? Or maybe, better said, people on the political left think of the political right? What middle are you talking about? That was my question about introspection. But uh, Bruce, the story was, right, he does the commercial, and the next thing you know, like a day and a half, two days later... Boom, bop, pip, here he is, busted for DWI, back in New Jersey in November. What the hell? Nobody knew about it? And what did I say? I said, man, that that is some elitism at play. That a guy can get a, a DWI, and you don't know about it for months? You don't know about it until after the ad runs? And everyone gets their money and gets their, their big... Uh, their big deal in uh, uh, for the Super Bowl? You don't know until after that? My, oh my, oh my. Ain't that, ain't that something? Ain't that rich that it would come out then? I said, that's, you would never get that luxury. Never once, no how. Well, now the story goes that maybe he wasn't loaded. He blew a .02. Now, Producer Ari, you've been arrested a lot for DWI. Don't joke about that. Okay, it's not a joke. You've been arrested a lot for that. Uh, is, uh, is, is .02 under the legal limit? Uh, <laughs> by, by, uh, by quite a bit. Right, because the legal limit is .08. So why would he have been charged... Right? There would be there would be no need for him to be charged if he was not over the legal limit. He got issued citations for driving while intoxicated, reckless driving, and consuming alcohol in a closed area. Yeah, well, he's a rock and roll star. These are exactly the things that you should be doing. Please. Oh, someone's going to tell me that I condone drunk driving. And, oh, sure, just to add it to the pile of emails of people just being totally outraged. The question before us is now twofold. Number one, why was he charged if he hadn't done anything wrong? Although the charges here are more than just the drinking, right? Reckless driving, consuming alcohol in a, in a closed area. Those could still be things that, that, that you get charged with. But I don't know why he's being charged with DWI if he wasn't over a limit. And then the follow-up, how did it still get hidden for two-plus months? You don't think somebody would have noticed that Bruce Springsteen was on the blotter in New Jersey? That's not possible.
I grew up in Middletown, New Jersey. I grew up not far from where this happened. I've been on those beaches. Allow me to say this. If there's a Bruce Springsteen sighting, most people, hey, that's what they're going to do. A couple people sign my thing. Hey, can I get a photo? And that's that. If it shows up on the police blotter, it's going to be news. Of course it's going to be news. So how did it not end up on the police blotter? Or it announced somewhere, I'm calling it the blotter, like somehow I'm an expert on all things police. You know my point? It would have gotten out, and the fact that it didn't get out is one of the more suspicious things that has happened here. It doesn't make any sense. The defense continues for President Trump, and David Schoen. Oh, no, that's not David Schoen. Is that Bruce Castor or is that Vanderbeen? It is Bruce Castor. He's back. Bruce Castor, who had himself the bad day and proven constitutionality or, or lack thereof of the uh, proceedings, uh, the one who, like, everybody was like, oh, this is just terrible. This is just absolutely awful. Alan Dershowitz was like, I don't know what this guy is doing. Well, he's back. Let's hear what he has to say in Trump's defense. Law and order, and we stand for justice. I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country, and maybe there will be. My administration will always stand against violence, mayhem, and disorder. There needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there is unrest in our lives. I stand with the heroes of law enforcement. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. We will never defund our police. Together, we will ensure that America is a nation of law and order. We're in high school. I'd take you behind the gym and beat the hell out of them. But I think you need to go back and... Now, if I understand this right, right, they've been playing a lot of videos. And then what you're hearing is just some of the video that they're putting out there. I think they played this one already. They did. So they're now just reinforcing this idea that here's the president talking about peacefully protesting, and here's all these Democrats who are making these claims about insurrection engaged in all the violence. That's not for the senators. It's for us. That's for the talking points to show the hypocrisy. So I would argue that while they're taking these videos and they edit it together, and that's exactly what people were complaining about what the Democrats did uh, for a Wednesday and Thursday, it's still going to be very effective for Trump and his team. It's still going to be effective to setting the narrative that they want to set going forward. Let's take it back to the lawyers. I ask you to keep, it, keep that in mind. My colleagues here, actually my colleague here, Mr. Raskin, hopes that you don't. They have used selective editing and manipulated visuals to paint a picture far different from this truth. Make no mistake, and I will repeat it now and any time I'm ever asked, January 6th was a terrible day for our country. The attack on this building shocked us all. President Trump did not incite or cause the horrific violence that occurred on January 6th, 2021. They know that. We know the president did not incite the riot because of his plain words that day, as Mr. Vanderveen elucidated on a few moments ago. We know the president could not have incited the riots because of the timeline of the events of that day. We heard a great deal from 
the House manager the, uh, about their prosecutorial bona fides and their ability to analyze evidence, apply it to statutes, use timelines and figure out what happened based on circumstantial evidence and direct evidence and testimony and, and uh, forensic analysis. I can't recall any of the House managers who got up that didn't make some reference to prosecutorial bona fides. Well, I spent more than three decades locking up killers. And I do know a little bit about applying the facts to the law. We know that the president would never have wanted such a riot to occur because his longstanding hatred for violent protesters and his love for law and order is on display, worn on his sleeve, every single day that he served in the White House. But if we're going to apply the facts to the statute, it has to be done systematically. It has to be done with precision, the way a court would expect us to do that. Let's look at the letter of the law. Again, Mr. Vanderveen gave you an overview of the Brandenburg case and some of the related cases. You notice that when Mr. Vanderveen listed the elements that he took verbatim or close to verbatim right out of Vandenberg, they bore no reference whatsoever to the elements that were flashed up by the Democrat managers the other day repeatedly. He actually used the Supreme Court's case. He didn't make it up. Let's look at the letter of the law. The Supreme Court of the United States over 50 years ago laid out a clear test to determine whether speech is incitement. Under that test, the Brandenburg versus Ohio test, there are three elements that must be proven beyond a reasonable doubt by a preponderance of the evidence. Whatever the Senate considers, I suggest, beyond a reasonable doubt. First, the speech in question must explicitly or implicitly encourage the use of violence or lawless action. The but here, the president's speech called for peaceful protest. Second, the speaker must intend that his speech will result in the use of violence or lawless action. And again, as, the, as Mr. Vanderveen pointed out, the president clearly deplores rioters and political violence and did so throughout his term as president and never hesitated to express his admiration for the men and women that protect this country. Finally, the third element under the Brandenburg test is the imminent use of violence, imminent use of violence, in other words, right then, the imminent use of violence or lawless action must be the, the likely result of the speech. Well, good the on Castor for getting back to being a lawyer. Getting right to it. This is for the senators. That by the very definition, there was no incitement to insurrection. Satisfying the legal people, satisfying the wonks, getting to the hearts of the article. Because remember, it's incitement of insurrection. Incitement to insurrection, that's the article. There's only one impeachment article, that's it, it's the only charge. So they're getting to the heart of that now. Narrative for, for the people, the data, 
and the connection constitutionally or lack thereof for the senators. More to come. I'm Tony Katz. I should not let us have a day end without just a, a pour yourself a drink and make a toast to the tackling mom. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. It's a story of 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 a peeping Tom, which is pretty gross for sure. And so... The peeping Tom is, is I guess, there, and uh, he is, he's spotted, right? They, they, they spot the, the, the peeping Tom, and he, the, the police are, are called, and they're, they're, the police are there, and he starts running. This guy starts running, and who's at the front of the house where he's running? The mom. The mom is at the front of the house. She's like, oh, no, 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 no. And in front of the police car, dash cam on, she tackled him. She didn't just, like, jump on him. She wrapped him up head to the side like she had taken herself a training camp in the NFL and took him down. Police then ran over and got the guy. By the way, he's he's lucky that's that's all that happened. Peeping Tom, you're lucky that's all that went down.